Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shyhards welcome to episode 73 of meet us at molly's so today we're gonna do our own little twist on the in my feelings challenge only we're not dancing or anything. We're just going to like sit here and cry because we're going to talk about Chicago Fire Season 3, Episode 1, entitled Always. We did PD 301, so it felt only right that we do Fire 301, right? Yeah. And we just like to torture ourselves. We really like to torture ourselves. We just, yeah, we just do. So as always, before we jump into our feels, we are going to jump into the news. And since we took last week off, we've got a good amount of it. So the first bit of news we've got is another syndication deal for Chicago PD, which is awesome. This time it's from ION. Now, I know ION because they usually air all the Canadian shows that don't get aired in the U.S. And they're always on late at night when you can't sleep. I don't know if you have Ion Briner, if you know kind of what it is. I've heard of it, but like couldn't tell you if I have it or if I've ever had it or anything. See, I I know of Ion because back in the day they used to show my Canadian cop show. Yes, your beloved Canadian cop show. I will get you to watch it at some point. It will happen. Melanie's watching it right now. I know. I saw that. So it'll happen at some point so that when I say, oh, my Canadian cop show, you'll be like, oh, I know that show. It's actually very good. (laughs) Whatever. They're showing Rookie Blue now, and that's going to be my next binge. Uh, I know I'm like, I'll flip through channels sometimes and Rookie Blue will be on. And I'm like, I keep hearing that I need to watch the show. Yeah. So then I will have two Canadian cop shows and not just one. (laughs) Yeah, then you can't call it the Canadian cop show anymore. You'll have to actually differentiate. I'll be like, my first Canadian cop show, and then my second Canadian cop show. (laughs) Because that's not going to get confusing. Not at all, no. Um, And Ricky Blue has uh, Anna from Fire. And then I've seen, I think it was in the Shy Hearts group. I mean, I feel like everyone's made an appearance. I think they were saying, somebody posted a picture that Monica Raymond made an appearance once. On Ricky Blue? I think so. I think that was in the Shy Hearts group today or yesterday or something. Interesting. Because I almost sent it to Rachel, but Rachel doesn't watch Fire in, like, a season and a half, so I didn't feel like it would have, I don't feel like she would have cared. No, Rachel's our friend from Talk Nerdy with us, who we are determined to get on the show at some point. So, yeah, Ion has the syndication rights to PD, which is awesome. Maybe we'll actually see PD on the network, because, like, I know I'll be, like, I'll be flipping channels sometimes, and I'll be like, ooh, USA, and they won't have PD. It's, like, always SVU. I'm like, do you even have the rights, bro? But I digress. So we also got some casting news. Brianna, why don't you take us through who's coming to fire? Yeah, so we've got a couple new fire castings. Um, So first up, we've got Annie. Oh, God, I'm going to butcher this last name. Ilonze? 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 Yeah. I'm sorry, I butchered that completely. But anyway, she will appear as Emily Foster, who is described as an intelligent, easygoing, and confident new paramedic 
Foster is new to the Chicago Fire Department, but is a quick and effective worker. She may have a chip on her shoulder from previous bumps in the road, yet takes everything in stride. So she's going to come in for Gabby Dawson, or where Dawson's place was. And then we've got Stephen Boyer, who will play Assistant Deputy Commissioner Jerry Gorsh. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm butchering names all over the place tonight. Um, but Gorsh is the recently named assistant at Dip Deputy Commissioner at CFD, nursing a Napoleon complex. Gorsh is not a typical hero, never known for his bravery. He's a former firefighter who has set his eyes on the cushier jobs at headquarters. And then the last casting news we got was Kristen Gutowski. That's what I think it is. Gatoski. Um, And Gatoski will play Chloe, a bright, enthusiastic office worker who has her eye on one of the firefighters. After her rescue in a harrowing fire, she's eager to return to 51 to show her gratitude. Okay. So I I know when this broke earlier, a lot of people were speculating like, oh, this is Connie's replacement. But then you responded when I sent it to you and you said, you're like, who who does she have her eye on? (laughs) Yeah, that was what I cared about. Well, like, I don't understand. I don't see why she'd be Connie's replacement. She's an office worker. Again, I mean, she's just trying to show her gratitude. Like, I mean, I guess she could have replaced Connie, but I don't know. I just, I paid more attention to the fact that she has her eye on someone and my immediate... Like, my mind went to Casey. She's going to be Casey's version of Renee. Oh, God. Yeah, kind of. I like your theory. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I think she's going to be a Casey's version of a Renee. Which is crazy to think about. But I just, like, who else's eye would she catch? It's a good question. They're not going to throw a wrench into Stellaride already, I don't think. Or at least oh, not that, that kind of wrench. I've been thinking about what crazy obstacles are going to face the Stellarides this season. And, I mean, I feel like nothing's ever really off the table. I just feel like it's not off the table, but I just don't feel like they do it this soon. Like, not within the first couple episodes. I could be wrong, but I don't think they're that cruel. (laughs) I feel like Derek just kind of likes to watch different couples suffer. I don't know. I don't know. But then I'm thinking about it. So say it's not Stellaride. Like, say Stellaride is off the table for right now. Who else is single? Joe? That's all we got. Joe and Casey are the only two single people in the department. I mean, granted, it doesn't have to be someone single. Just because she has her eye on them doesn't mean they have their eye on her. But I feel like it may, would make most sense if it was someone who's single. And I just feel like Casey makes the most sense. But I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Oh, man. The fans are going to hate her. If that's the case, uh, but yeah, they're going to hate her. They're going to hate her worse than Cordova. I was going to say, yeah, if, I mean, if, if that's the case, that I feel like there's not never, like, there will, she will be the most hated character in fire history. That's a great point. Yeah, she will. Yeah, that'll be And crazy. that says a lot. Spend some characters. I'm excited to see Annie playing Emily. Uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of people are going to view her as Dawson's replacement. Which, I mean, she kind of is, but, you know. I mean, but that's not all, you know. I don't think, I mean, I guess she is, technically, but still. I don't feel like that's the way people should view it. I, or let's I put agree it this with way. you. I, let's put it this way. 
she's Dawson's replacement, but she is not Monica's replacement. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, she is technically Dawson's replacement. You know, Dawson is leaving on her hiatus or whatever they're going to say she went on. She is Dawson's replacement, but Annie is not replacing Monica. You know, I had a really funny thought about the whole Gabby situation the other day. Yes. You know, I was just playing, like, the what-if game. So what if she didn't go to Puerto Rico, but she instead started working for the private Ambo company? And so she's still in Chicago, but we just don't see her. I feel like, I mean, I guess it's technically an option, but then why would they bring up Puerto Rico? Uh, Maybe just an option. I don't know. But, oh, man. That way, like, Casey's still, like, happily married. I don't know. I was just playing the what if game. I don't, I don't think they're going to still be happily married. There's no way. That, like, breaks my heart. Yeah. But I'm also excited. Um, I'm excited for Stephen Boyer, too, because he's on Trial and Error, and he's really funny on Trial and Error. So that's a funny show if you've never seen it. It's funny. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that's supposed to be pretty funny. Wasn't Kristen Chenoweth at ATX, like, promoting it this year? Yeah, because she's the character they focus on for season two because like season one is of one story focused on a different character John Lithgow and then they focus on Kristen Chenoweth's character this season it's funny cool yeah maybe I will check that out but I don't know I I see the character description for Stephen Boyer's character and I kind of grimace a little bit Uh, have you ever met a guy with a Napoleon complex Yes, I think so. I'm thinking. Maybe. I had one as a boss, and it was awful. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm not excited for his character. I'm excited to see what he does with his character. Because he, I like him. But I feel like, I mean, like, Deputy Commissioner, so that means what? He's going to be working with our buddy, um, fuck, why can't I not think of his name? Grissom. Grissom? Yeah. Hmm. That's my guess. I feel like anybody in the ivory tower is like never good news. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially never like, ever good. He's a firefighter or a former firefighter who has his eyes on the cushier job. So you know Herman's gonna hate him because Herman's gonna hate him. Bowden's gonna hate him. Yeah, but Herman especially. For sure, for sure, for sure. So I don't know. Lots of new, lots of new faces. It'll be an interesting uh, season for sure. And that shit's on fire. Yeah. Do you want to take us through the PD casting news or you want me to? I got it. Um, yeah. So we also got PD casting news because we just, yeah. Um, so PD, this was a TV line item. PD had cast Rob Morrow um, for a guest star in season six, episode three, titled Bad Boys. We already have a title, uh, episode title too. Um so Rob Morrow's character is a rich liberal entrepreneur. Um, his character's name is Evan Gilchrist, and he's an outspoken critic, outspoken critic of the P- of the police department who is forced to call CPD for help when his teenage daughter goes missing. So I feel like since this is six oh three, we kind of have to talk about marina and the scoop that she gave us the other day yeah i was gonna put i mean i forgot to put that in the outline i put the thing about the Royce, but i didn't put that but yes marina was giving out scoop the other day oh my god um hashtag blessed because yeah she was just like making it rain scoop okay so basically the gist of this is that 
The PD kids have been absolutely insane on social media lately, just having a blast doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Brenda, did you see the Wednesday Wisdom with Atwater one that PD put out? No, I missed that. It's basically just Leroy like reciting Luther Vandross lyrics. It's just they're like they're they're <laughs> insane. They're so funny though. So I guess in 603, there's going to be a point where Halstead and Burgess go undercover. But at some point, they're going to have like, they're not, they're not going to have a baby, but they're, they're going to have like a fake baby in this undercover stint that they're doing. And so I had tweeted and I was like, oh my God, like I have a million questions about this, like, but not really related to the golf gear that Jesse was like smuggling in the stroller. Cause of course, like Jesse's going to Jesse. But Marina just happened to reply. And Marina was like, I will answer one question. Go. And I think it was Jocelyn, one of our listeners, Jocelyn. And she asked if Berzik is going to get back together this season. Marina's response was, oh, just you wait. And then she hashtagged it 603. So uh, Marina just kind of casually, you know, dropping bombs on the fandom and then running. Okay, but then... So putting this together with another piece that Marina also dropped. Yeah. Somebody, there was another video from Instagram stories and stuff of Patty and LaRoyce with these dummies that were dressed just like them. So obviously, of course, they're supposed to be their characters. And so someone asked in a different tweet or whatever, someone asked Marina, like, what the dummies were supposed to be for. Like, why dummies instead of extras and whatever. And she said there's some kind of car crash that literally goes, like, the car is going so fast and has such an impact. Like, they can't use humans. They had to use dummies. So then I we were texting about it. And I texted you. I said, what if that crash has something to do with Berzik, whether obviously good or bad, but hopefully that... As much as I don't want to see Adam get hurt, but, like, what if Adam gets hurt and that pushes Berzik back together? That's Girl, this episode, is, this episode is all I've been thinking about since Marina tweeted that now. And this episode's not going to air for, like, two more months. Like, Marina knows what she did. <laughs> it's we literally... Won't... Wait, now that I'm thinking about it, this could be the episode the week that you're visiting. Oh, I think you're right. Like, I think it actually might be. Newsflash, listeners, um, I'm headed back to D.C. in October to visit Bryna for the weekend, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, but like, yeah, like it's literally two and a half, three months away at this point, and we already have the name, the guest star, the possible plot points, like, we got everything with this 603, but we don't know anything else about season six. <laughs> no, I've literally just, it's, it's literally all I've been thinking about for the past, like, however many hours it's been since Marina tweeted us. I'm just, like, imagining the scene and, like, who's, who is Adam's doctor at med? And, you know, is Burgess just inconsolable because it's Kevin and it's Adam? Like, oh, man, just, yeah. Marina well, then it's like, where does Rob Morrow pick, like, play into this? Because, like, obviously we all know that's all the same episode. So, like, how does that play into it? It's just all the things. Did you see what Rob posted today? Today being Thursday, the day we're recording this? No. He posted a picture with Jesse. And he was basically like, I did a project once with Jesse when he was like six years old. It's available on this website. And I was like, oh? <laughs> I was like, baby Jesse is available somewhere on the interwebs? That's so funny. So uh, I, I may have to investigate that a little bit just because. Just because, why not? 
But the um, the PD kids, man, they have been like blessing us with behind the scenes coverage this week. It's just been hilarious. Well, and then Luch photo dumped yesterday and today all over his Instagram. So Luch photo dumps are my favorite. Yeah, but he did it yesterday and today. So double blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, and the fire kids were doing all sorts of crazy stuff today as well. So I just, there's so much behind the scenes stuff happening now. If only the med but kids med? would start posting more. Yeah. Seriously, I don't know what's happening on med, but who knows? People people were speculating because, th- like, somebody was posting about whether, like, anyone just had, like, pictures of, like, med being on, like, set and stuff. Because people were freaking out about the fact that no one's seen anything about Colin Donnell since they were filming that nighttime party scene or whatever. And then he was in New York. Obviously, he's been in New York for, like, the last couple of days. Um, so, like, what if that was him, you know, getting sent off and blah, blah, blah. And, so, you know, which is, like, people need to calm down. I mean, I get it, though, because it's just, like, what we're doing. Like, we're grasping at straws for something. I mean, we've been without the shows for, like, months now. We're just, like, missing it terribly. Yeah, no, I know. But, like, it's also, like... I don't feel like they're going to get rid of Colin in the first episode or first couple episodes of the season. But then also, we never see anything. Like, Med is always just so elusive and secretive because they don't film that much within the city. So, like, we don't know what's going on. I don't know. We just never know what's going on with Med. I'm going to guess that they have no cell service at the studio they film at. And that's why they don't post much. But it's Probably not the case at all. Probably not, but that's a good guess. Yeah, but Marlin's had the, she's got the squat squad thing going on right now that she's been posting. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that, and then poor Roland has been in and out of the hospital. Yeah. Listeners, if you have a second, like maybe before or after you're listening to this, or even now, um, send Roland a tweet. Just, you know, send him a tweet, say, hey, we're thinking of you, get well soon, because he's got some stuff going on, and he's a friend of the pod, whether he likes it or not. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just if you have a second, send him a good thought because, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's about it for the news, isn't it? I was going to mention, in case anyone is interested, LaRoy's announced the other day or since we last recorded that he's going on tour this fall um, doing this comedy in some parts of the country and various weekends in August and September. So I don't know the link or the website, but go to his Instagram and you can find out all the information and where he's going, when he's going to be there. And hopefully he'll be coming to your city. So yeah, would be cool. So as always guys, if you find any news, if you see it anywhere, send it to us. We're always game. Uh, But yeah, I think we can jump into the episode. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. This is a sad one, y'all. We're doing Chicago Fire Season 3, Episode 1, entitled Always. So, quick little refresher on where we left off. So, the Season 2 finale, basically, Severide and Shay were fighting. I don't remember what about, but they were fighting. I don't remember what they were fighting about either. What were they fighting about? I don't, yeah, I don't remember. They were fighting about something, though. But they made up. But they made up. Yes, they made up outside of this fire or of this building. So Bowden and Donna had their wedding on shift at the firehouse. So good. Yeah, so good. But also, why do you get married on shift when you could literally be called out to a call at any time? I don't know, but so good. Don't question it, Gina. 
<laughs> Don't question it. Just go with it. And Casey also proposed to Dawson for the first time. For the first time. They've had three proposals or two? Two. Two, I think. Okay. So that's kind of where we left off. So they all go inside the building. The building goes boom. And that is the cliffhanger. So we start season three. And we knew going into this episode somebody was going to die. Like we all knew that that was the case. I don't remember how we knew, but we knew it. And so the opening minute or so, it's pretty much just checking everyone off the list. So, you know, Severide's good. Cap is good. Tony's good. Hey, look, it's Newhouse. He's good too. <laughs> yeah, so Casey's okay. Mouch is okay. Cruz is okay. Herman, fine. They hear a pass alarm going like full blast, right? They move some rubble. It's Mills. Mills is like face down in the rubble. Just pass alarm is just like singing a song. So he's not dead, thankfully. His leg is broken, but he's not dead. And so from what I remember about this is that I think they were considering originally killing off Mills. Interesting. Since we're talking about wanting like writers' intentions and Derek's intentions, I'm, I could probably go back and find these articles myself. But since I wasn't watching live at the time, you know how a lot of shows when something big happens on a show like EW and all those kind of websites have like conversations with like showrunners and stuff and they break down like what just happened in those cliffhangers or big moments or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Did you, were there any with like Derek or whoever else at the time around this and like obviously specifically talking about Shay's death and like why Shay versus instead of Mills or like why kill off anybody at this point? Um, just like all of that. Did you read anything like that? I believe so. Um, I don't think it was with Derek, though. It might have been with Olmstead. But I right. believe there were articles right after that. And basically, I, what I remember hearing from Derek is that they were looking for the character whose death would have the most impact. Like, if I remember correctly, I read something that said, like, you know, nobody was off limits. They posted everybody's headshot in the writer's room and just kind of went down the list. And... Once they got to Shay, they realized that she would probably have the biggest impact on the firehouse. That's crazy that they just went down the list. They were like, oh, well, Casey's safe this time. Severide, safe. Like, crazy. Oh, so crazy. So crazy. But yeah, that's the I'll see if that. I can find it because I'll be, I'll be curious. I want to read. I want, I'm curious. Yeah, so that's the rumor. So as they're getting Mills taken care of, somebody somewhere along the way, and I think it was Newhouse, they realize like, oh crap, we haven't heard from the girls. So Severide and Casey take off towards their women, because of course, and we find Dawson and she is frantically doing compressions on Shay. It's so sad. And there's a huge pool of blood around her head too, like huge. And so, of course, Severide springs into action, and the whole scene is just, like, super sad. And just, especially, like, if you didn't know it was coming, like, it's just completely not good. But, yeah, and so, like, Severide and Dawson switch off, and then, of course, like, Severide's in such disbelief. Like, as he's doing compressions, he just keeps saying, he's like, no, 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 no. It's just, like, totally fine, not heartbreaking at all. Yeah. But yeah, so Dawson and Severide are doing everything they can to bring her back. And in the middle of this, we get the first flashback. Now, this is a show that does not do flashbacks. They did about like three or four in this episode. Ugh. First flashback is Shay's first day at the firehouse. 
And so if you listen really closely, there are some gems in here. So Shay walks up and she sees Cruz and Otis. I'm pretty sure that they're talking about Otis's Viper helmet that he's about to buy. I think they are. Yeah. And so Otis is like something, something, Viper, whatever. He's like, and it's only like $300. And Cruz is like, you're insane. Like, what are you doing? So that's pretty cute. And then... Yeah, Otis. Oh, yeah. Otis yells to Darden to go get Gabby. So Darden's here. That's great. And then Shay meets Vargas, Herman and Casey. So like Darden and Vargas, it's like just throwbacks everywhere. And so Casey makes hard eyes at Gabby. Oh, such throwback. Yes, such throwbacks. Yeah. So Casey makes hard eyes at Gabby. And as Shay and Gabby are walking away, Shay's like, so you and Casey? And she's like, no, like, God, no. And Shay's like, well, what? Like, you should be. So I guess Shay is like the OG Dossie shipper. Yeah. Hasn't she always been the OG Dossie shipper? I think so. Yeah. I think she's the OG. Yeah. That seems about right. And then Gabby takes Shay over to meet Squad. Which is all fine and dandy, but, like, we see you, Hadley. We see you before you decided to, like, light everything on fire. Fuck off, Hadley. (laughs) So, yeah, we see you, Hadley. And so, of course, Severide's like, oh, my God, a woman. Like, I don't know how to react other than to hit on her. And it's all fine and dandy until, like, Shay just looks at her and Shay's like, back off, Captain. And she's like, you're not my type. And he's like, well, I could be. And she goes, do you have a vagina? Just, like, point blank. (laughs) And Severide's like, uh, and then Shay explains it. So basically, I guess that's one way to make best friends. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to do it. So it's it's a really cute flashback. It's really cute. And so we cut back to present day Dawson and Severide, and they are just like in complete disbelief about what happened because basically the rest of the firehouse came in and they took Shay away. And so Dawson's crying. Severide's just sitting there, and they're just like in complete disbelief about what just happened. It's a very powerful striking scene especially with these characters that like you really care about yeah yeah so I mean and you binge this right you didn't watch this live yeah I binge this did you know what was coming yeah I knew she died and I knew like when it happened but like it's still when you know things if it's this impactful, like, it still has somewhat of an impact. Like, I don't think it had the same impact on me that it did you, just because, like, you didn't know and you watched it live and I knew it was coming. Um, but it still hurt and it's still, you know, Shay was, you know, a beloved character and so it still hurt, but it just didn't have the same, like, gut punch. Right, well, and funny you say that, that you know, it's like since I watched it live. So the day... The day it aired, I got, like, really impatient. I was like, I'm so tired of this. Like, I need to know who dies. I need to know. And so I just, like, threw caution to the wind and was, like, looking up spoilers. I couldn't find any, so way to go, internet. But the more I read the description, the more I was, like, I, I figured it out is what happened. The morning that the morning that it aired, I figured it out because I just kind of kept staring at the episode description, like, come on, speak to me. Like, who's going to die? And when they said that, like, you know, like, it, it affects Severide deeply, it, like, clicked in my brain. In the morning of, I was like, oh, my God, it's Shay. So I figured it out, but it still hurt a lot. Yeah, and I think had I not, like, most times I try, I don't know, like, my curiosity gets the best of me. And so I end up, like, Wikipediaing things and, you know, try to figure it out. And especially, like, if I'm really, like, shipping a couple, I'm like, oh, well, like, 
when is their next big moment or like when if this person's not in all the episodes like when is the next time they appear so I at least have some idea like I end up spoiling everything to myself and so I think that's kind of partly what happened was just like I got so curious um so then I ended up like spoiling things to myself with this and something I didn't realize too because I mean I I mean I liked Shay I wasn't like I wasn't so attached to her that I was like raging mad that you know she had died I mean, it's still sad, but, but then like throughout the course of season three, I was just like, oh my God, like they did a really good job with this because I mean, you just feel all the places where like, man, Shay would have really plugged that hole there or like Shay would have taken care of this person in this situation. And it's just like, you could feel all the places where Shay was missing from. Well, and I feel like for me, honestly, the way, like you said, like Shay, I mean, I loved Shay, but Shay was never my favorite character. So I didn't feel the impact in that way either. But I feel like I felt more, like, as the season went on, I felt Shay's death become more impactful when Severide went through everything. Like, yeah. as Severide was experiencing the grief, like, that's when I experienced it. It wasn't necessarily in this moment in this episode. Even though it was sad, but I didn't experience it then. I experienced it, you know, as he's, like, breaking down in his new wife's arms and, like, like eight episodes later and, you know, just through the season. Like, that's when I experienced it. That's right. He got married. Yeah, like, eight episodes later. Yeah. She's still around. I mean, she's still alive. So Brittany's still around. So Brittany's still alive, but they got it annulled and they clarified that last season. So <laughs> that's good to know. So great. So we cut to six weeks later after the accident and Mills is back from rehab. And the first thing he does, he addresses like the two biggest elephants in the room. He, like first thing out of his mouth, he's like, has anybody heard from Severide? And everybody just kind of disperses. They're like, mm, you said the S word. Like we don't talk about that here. So followed by like Dawson, came, Dawson comes in and Mills hugs her and then she leaves and he looks at Herman and he's like, how's she doing? And Herman's just like, eh, I don't know. So yeah, Mills addresses the two biggest elephants in the room. Now, can we take this moment to briefly discuss Milson and just kind of appreciate them for what they were? They were great. They were great. They were. They, you know, we all knew that Mills was never the one for her. But for what they were, they were great. And I liked them as friends, too. Like, they had a really nice friendship, too, beyond just them being romantically involved in season one. Yeah, they did have a great friendship. And, I mean, it didn't bother me when Mills left and he, like, kissed her and was just like, you know, you know where to find me, whatever. That didn't bother me because I think it was just his way of saying, like, you know, I'll always love you. Yeah, that didn't bother me. What if Gabby didn't go to Puerto Rico, but she instead went to Wilmington to bake with Mills? <laughs> <laughs> we could start. A oh my god! We're gonna start that rumor. Yeah, we can just start that one. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> she's in Wilmington baking with Mills. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, they were pretty great, and like Mills was just looking out for her, of course, because like he's always gonna love her, which I think is I'm I'm okay with it. It's not like he stuck around and like caused problems for the Dossies. He was just like, I still love you. I get that you don't love me. Bye. Now that you said he went to Wilmington, I forgot. Now I'm thinking of so in our alternate universe spinoff theory thing that we just created. So Dawson goes and 
starts baking with Mills and they're living their happily lives. And Aaron, of course, because duh, Sophia Blush, Wilmington, whatever. Aaron is, of course, also there too. She got transferred there on assignment and she's not in New York anymore. <laughs> they're all just hanging perfect. out. Perfect. And now they're. <laughs> They're all just hanging out in North Carolina. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. My uh, two of my friends, we kind of like we created like an AU just like happy place in our heads. And we were like, uh, we're like, Nadia's not dead. She and Mills ran off and got married. And now they bake together in North Carolina. And it's wonderful. <laughs> like, you know, just a little AU happy place in our heads. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. And so uh, Milson, they, they were good for what they were. Just they were definitely they were. good. Also, Miss uh, Miss Ortho expert over here. Um, six weeks of rehab and Mills is like a okay. Is that even remotely realistic? No, I didn't think so. I it, no, not. I mean, I guess it also depends on like what part of the leg he broke. But like, yeah, no. I mean, again, I guess it all depends on the severity and what part of the leg. But especially if he broke his femur and they had to put a rod in that, no way. It's. Better than Severide's, like, major shoulder surgery that he recovered from in four weeks. Yeah, or Otis getting shot in the spine. Hey, I mean, I gotta give them credit for that, though, because, like, they did drag it out. I mean, not as long as probably should have, but TV time and <laughs> yeah. real life time are, like, you know, two different things. I know, so. I, I know. They dragged it out more than I thought they would initially, but if we're trying to be, like, super realistic and... I think I also just know too much about medicine that I'm like, nope, nope, that is, nope, okay. Well, we're TV doctors, remember? We know what we're talking about. Sort of. Not really, but, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was like, six weeks is a little quick, but I'm not complaining because I do love Mills, so it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. So we cut inside, and Dawson is staring at a plaque on the wall honoring Shay. So that's kind of our confirmation of like, yes, she's dead. She's not going to pop out from behind a wall somewhere and be like, I'm okay. She's gone. It's sad. Yeah, because we never saw her at Lakeshore or anything. It was just like they took her off and that was it. And that was it. Yeah. So sad. But I know the plaque too. It has like the, the date that, you know, she quote unquote died, which is really just the date the episode aired. But it was four years ago. Isn't that crazy? It doesn't feel like four years ago for me because for me it was really two. But yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But yeah, it was 2014. I'm like, dang, that was four years ago. Holy crap. Yeah. And so yeah, that's crazy. Dawson, Dawson stares at the plaque and then she goes to the common room for coffee. And this is where we meet Sylvie for the first time. I forgot this is where we meet Sylvie. Like, oh, Sylvie. Okay. So what was your initial impression of Brett? Oh, it's hard to think. I mean, like, like in the moment, I think, I mean, I liked her. And you can definitely tell, like, you can see the sweet, innocent side of her start to, you know, form. But so much of this episode isn't really about her that it's kind of hard to be like, oh, I mean, like, I liked her. I didn't have a reason not to like her. But I think it's really kind of a little bit later in season three where you, like, start to see her get a little bit of her backbone and her spunk and, like, her determination that kind of, to me, defines Brett today. I mean, alongside with her, like, goody two-shoes for lack of a better term. But I mean, I liked her. Yeah. And I mean, I at first was like, I just kind of, I was pretty apathetic in this episode just because I was like, I was still focused on Shay. I was like, this is too much right now to make me focus on a new character. Like, not right now. 
But, you know, they did they did try to work in little tidbits about her in this episode, but it just got overshadowed by the whole Shay thing and her death and everything. It was just kind of like, hang on, I'll get to know but her I in subsequent feel like, episodes. I almost feel like that worked in their favor because they had to go ahead and introduce someone because they needed someone to replace Shay on Ambo. But it didn't – they weren't trying to force – Brett down our throats yet with being like hey look at Brett this is this new character you're gonna love her blah 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 blah. you know like they didn't try to do that and I think it worked I think almost her being overshadowed worked in their favor yeah that's a good point that is a good point and yeah and they didn't shove her down our throats like they they totally could have but they didn't so yeah that's true it's a good point so we're kind of dividing this by storyline so we're skipping around a little bit here just like bear with us but Casey gets in trouble for throwing a water bottle at Welch, but he, like, totally deserved it. We'll talk about that later. But Bowden gets mad at him, and Bowden's like, I've got one lieutenant AWOL, and I've got the other one who, like, can't control his temper. And I'm just like, yes, Bowden, water is what? Like, since when did angry Casey surprise you? But Casey just kind of knows Bowden so well that he's like, okay, chief, like, I understand. I will go find Kelly. We then jump to the third flashback, the third. And I skipped over the second one just because the second one is just like Dawson and Shay like fist bumping. Nothing. So the third one is basically what happened inside the building before the explosion. Oh, okay. So they get called inside the building. And this is also when Dawson's about to like, she just finished the academy, right? And she's about to come into a new firehouse as the candidate. Yeah, she's about to go to Welch's firehouse. Yeah, I completely forgot about that until I rewatched the episode. I was like, oh, man, like, Firefighter Gabby was such a long time ago. Well, and I was thinking about it, too. Like, yes, I forgot that, like, at this moment, that's what she was transitioning to. She was transitioning into, like, another firehouse. But as I was thinking about it in the context of Shay's death, it wasn't that many episodes before this. I mean, before, like, the end of season two, beginning of season three, where she'd also experienced Jones killing herself. Yes. So, like, you had Jones killing herself, and then, like, only a couple of episodes later, then Shay dies. And it's just like, geez. Wasn't Daryl the same season as that, too? Wasn't Daryl season two? Yeah, Daryl's early season two. Yeah, so Dawson's been through a bit, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Dawson and Shay get called inside the building. And, and so since Dawson's about to leave, this is pretty much, like, supposedly her la- like one of her last shifts. And she's trying to get Shay to just kind of, like, think without her and just kind of make decisions and roll with it. And so, you know, Dawson's like, well, how do you want to treat this guy? And Shay's like, okay, well, let's do it this way. So they switch places. And they switch places and they get to work and Shay's like mid-sentence and that's when the blast happens. And right before they cut back to present day, you see this like steel beam just come out of nowhere and just crack Shay right in the head. And that's where the flashback ends. So that's the gist of what happened. And so we'll come back to that because that's that's important later on. So then Casey ends up finding Severide. He's, like, out in the woods somewhere. I don't know. So, basically, Severide is, like, he's chopping wood in a wife beater. He's grown a beard. It's, like, sexy as hell. He's got a full lumberjack. Like, it's sexy as hell. Oh, my God. It's so sexy as hell. Also, compare this to when Aaron goes AWOL and, like, just the difference of, like, Severide, obviously, like, he's still way out of it, but he arguably has himself more together 
slightly than Aaron did. Just because at least he's not, like, driving himself into drugs and alcohol and, you know, down spiraling no, he's, that way. He's, he's driving himself into alcohol, though, in the subsequent episodes. Yes, but not in this moment. Not in the six weeks. Or at least not that we know of. But I was just, like, as we were, like, as I was rewatching this, I was like, well, now we've had two characters, like, at the very beginning of season three, when their friends have both passed away, going on these binges that threaten their jobs because they have to go on leave or whatever and they don't know if they're going to get them back and they're hurt and depressed and all the things. Exactly. And that's why, you know, on PD, when Aaron was going through this, I was just thinking, I was like, you know, like, I get that they probably want to keep this like PD centric, but the person to help her out of this is Severide. He's been through this before. Like the headcanon in my head was always like Severide and Lindsay just like sitting down at the bar just talking and then Jay just like in the corner just being like respectful and giving them their space to just work it through like Severide would have been the perfect person to talk to Aaron as a friend not as like not as a romantic interest but as a friend yeah he would have that's a good point yeah what is an interesting point too like when we're if we're like sitting here comparing them like thinking about like what brought them out of it Mm. okay so, what brought Aaron out of it? The fact that Jay's life was in danger and, like, yes. saving his life. But then that's also kind of what brought, in a very different way, that's also kind of what brought Severide out of it was because Casey takes him Bowden's journal where he records everything and, like, you know, in the far left column, he ta- Bowden tallies every life that they saved and from every call. Yeah, so I was going to say that, I mean, to me, what pulled Severide out of it was his marriage. Because um, he wasn't, I mean, he came back to 51, but he was not okay. But I mean, you could also then argue, I mean, I was just more talking about like what got them, not what pulled them out of it, but what got them back into the job. and Like what got them, like what brought them back. Not Because like that, I would argue too that Jay isn't, saving Jay's life and like helping Jay out isn't, it's what got Erin back and kind of start to realize like what was more important than her binge and her alcohol and whatever. But that wasn't what pulled her out of it either, I would argue. That's a good point. That's a good parallel too. Yeah, that's a really good parallel. Yeah, so basically Casey rolls up and Casey's like, so are you coming back to 51? And Kelly goes, no, just straight up. He's like, no. And he just goes, the house is cursed, Casey. It's nothing but misery and heartbreak. And I'm like, you know, he's kind of (laughs) right. And yet we still return week after week. Yep. What is wrong with us? But yeah, so so then Casey's about to leave. And then he takes out Bowdoin's book. And this is the book when we were in Chicago that I saw at the firehouse and just didn't really form words and just kind of blurted. I was like, is that Bowden's book? And they were like, no, that's our book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. I did. It just, it happened. So yeah, so Casey's about to leave. He takes out Bowden's book and Casey's just like trying to talk some sense into him. And Kelly is stuck between like, Giving Casey the stink eye, but also being like way up in his feels. He's like kind of stuck between the two. And so between them, the camera just keeps like cutting back and forth. And it's like battle of the blue eyes. It's like the best thing ever. It's magnificent. But yeah. And so 
Yeah, like watch Kelly's face next time you watch that scene. But yeah, he's just like, he's got his like, I don't want to hear it face. But then it's like, oh, but it's Casey. Just, yeah, there's blue eyes just flying everywhere. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And so then Casey drops some hot wisdom. And I feel like this might be the most profound thing Casey's ever said. Let me know if he has said something more profound. But Casey goes, the badges on the wall at the academy, you know, Darden's, Shays, they don't represent death. They represent the lives we save. Mic drop, get in the truck, like go back to Chicago. <laughs> but I feel like that might be the deepest thing that Casey's ever said. Oh, it's definitely the deepest thing. Case- I'm like thinking about it and that's definitely the deepest thing Casey's ever said. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. And so, yeah. And so Casey just like leaves. And then we cut forward afterwards and, you know, Casey's talking to Dawson and Dawson's like, oh, like Antonio's going to take me to lunch, whatever. And, you know, Casey's like, well, I know he's your brother, but like you can talk to me. It's no big deal. And Gabby's like, I'm fine. And she leaves. So then Casey goes to get into his truck after shift and he looks up and it's like freaking like Pokemon Go and it's like a wild Severide has appeared. He's just like (laughs) sitting on his motorcycle looking like a lost puppy, but he's not a lost puppy. He's a lost Kelly. Like just, yeah. So yeah, he looks up, sees Kelly sitting on the motorcycle and Kelly's just like, uh, Kelly like doesn't know what to do. It's adorable. Just Severide doing adorable Severide things. And it shouldn't be adorable. The man's in pain. He just lost his best friend. But like. Yeah, I don't know if adorable is the word I would use. Okay, but the way he's sitting on the motorcycle and he's all just kind of like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, he's cute. I don't know. I just love Severide. I just feel like Severide should be protected at all costs. At all times. Yes, agree. I still, adorable is not the word I would use. But yes, agree that Severide is a a precious little being that needs to be protected at all costs. Yeah, I'm nodding like the listeners can see me. But yes, I agree with that. (laughs) So we cut to Gabby and she is with the chaplain. So it turns out that she's been lying to Casey about seeing Antonio. And she's actually been attending sessions with the chaplain. And so... The chaplain's just like, you know, every theory I know, every counseling thing I know says to like, let you open up when you're ready. But I know first responders, you know, this is how they roll. They have to be ready whether they like it or not. And Gabby just like breaks down. And it's like the kind of cry where the tears are like jumping out of your face. Like it's, we've all had that kind of cry before, but it's one of those cries. And she just can't, she can barely even get it out. She's like, we switched places. Like, that's, like, all she can say. And she just yeah. cries. And it's just such a killer. Ugh. Breaks my heart. Yeah. And so one of the other things about this, too, is that it didn't dawn on me that they switched places until Gabby said it. Like, I saw the scene and I was like, okay, like, that's how it happened. But then when Gabby pointed it out, it was like, we switched places. Like, I told her to switch with me. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, that, Wow. That's a lot of guilt to carry with you. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I think seeing the video, like, obviously, like, helps you visualize it, but, like, it's something about the fact that that's what's eating Gabby up. Like, her, it took her saying it to make it realize, like, that's what the issue is, and, like, not only is she just grieving the loss of her friend, but she also is feeling the guilt. For sure. 
For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's a very, very powerful scene. And Monica just crushes it. Like, I don't think I could ever cry on cue like that. Yeah. Just crushed it. And the chaplain. I love the chaplain. It's always nice to see him when he pops in. Chaplain Orlovsky. For sure. So the episode ends and Casey is, of course, just BFF goals. He meets Severide at their place to kind of pack up Shay's things. And... You know, Severide's looking around and Severide's just like, I can't stay here, man. Casey does not even miss a beat. He doesn't miss a beat. He's like, just come stay with us. And Kelly's like, are you sure? And Casey's like, Psh, it's done. Whatever. BFF goals. Like, I was literally just about to say BFF goals. Yes. And it was so good when Severide was like their roommate. Oh, they were so awesome together. Oh, man, I wonder... I wonder what's going to happen with our living situation now if, like, Casey's going to move in with Stellaride. I doubt it. I doubt it. But does he want his whole apartment to himself? I don't know. I mean, it didn't look that big, but... But two-bedroom for one person is kind of a lot of space. Yes. I mean, unless he wants to keep it as a guest bed. But then, like, Stellaride's not going to move in with him. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Severide is technically going to have an extra bedroom now. Presuming that he and Stella are sleeping together, which, like, presuming. That's ridiculous. Of course they are. <laughs> but Stella doesn't live with Severide. Oh, shit, you're right. She's got to move back in with him, though, right? I don't know. She made such a big deal about moving out. So maybe Severide does move in with Casey. Oh, I'm so here for that. I'm so here for that. Or vice versa, whichever one we want to happen. Yeah, for sure. Either one. I, I'm so okay with Severide and Casey being bros and roommates again. Oh, I'm so okay with it. Oh my god, on a Crotus level? Oh my god! <laughs> Savacy, like, with pulling, like, Crotus antics and just, oh my god. And, like, Crotus being like, can they, like, get it together? What is happening right now? Oh, I'm so here for that. <laughs> so good. So, so good. Oh, I'm so here for that, yeah. So then, Casey goes upstairs and... Severide's just kind of like looking at things. And so he finds this DVD called The Contract. Now, before we get there, I do want to touch on, um, there's like a framed photo of he and Shay that he's looking at. And I actually, like, that's like one of my favorite Shaveride scenes ever. That's weird to say out loud. I've never said that out loud before. Shaveride. (laughs) But yeah, it's like one of my favorites ever. It's a season one scene. I think like Clarice just broke her heart or something and they're like walking and Severide just like kisses her forehead or something. I don't know, but that's the picture. It's a really sweet, shaver I had seen side note I just love that scene so he finds the dvd of the contract he pops it in and it's just like one of the flashbacks is kind of the lead up to making the contract so you know Shay's making out with some girl she leaves Severide's like dude she's bad news and Shay just whips out the video camera and is like we're just going to discuss this we're going to lay down the rules and so that's what this dvd is is of them like making their rules as roommates and it's just really sweet. And, you know, they're just like, you know, we never let work interfere with home. We never let home interfere with work. And the last thing that Shay says, she's like, we promise to be there for each other always, no matter what. Oh, so sad. Cue all the tears. Oh, all of the tears. All of the tears. We cut to Severide and Severide is just crying all over the place. And it's just feel city and just, oh, it's just. It just feels and heartbreak and it's, it's sad. You know, you just you really feel for Seb because, I mean, he lost his best friend. This was the most impactful scene of the episode for me. Oh, hands down. Hands down. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, okay, this is a two, two-fold question or two-part question. Do you think that 
Severide has fully told Stella about Shay yet? Fully, no. Okay, because then my next question was going to be, do you think that he has shown Stella the contract yet? No. Would he ever? No. Hmm. Because I don't think that's... I mean, it's important to him. But I don't know if he... I think he eventually tells whether he... I mean, I obviously want him to end up with Stella. But, like, whether whoever he ends up with, I, I think he tells that person a lot about Shay. But I think Severide's never been the, like, I'm an open book. I'm going to tell you everything about my life person anyway. So, like, I think there are going to be some things about her and their relationship that he wants to keep special to, like, and close to him. And I think the contract's one of them. So you, you think whoever, basically whoever he ends up, or whoever ends up being endgame for him is going to know about Shay, but not everything. Yeah. I mean, like, he's, they're going to know the general stuff. Like, they're going to know that, like, they were close and they were roommates and, you know, like, all details about. But, like, why, like, why, he doesn't need to show the contract to someone to make that point that she was an important person in their life. And I think it was never supposed to be shown to anybody. So why? I, I just, I don't see that being necessary. That's a good point. Yeah, and you're right that it does come down to, you know, different people. Like, I know for me, I share a lot with, you know, with, with Charlie too. I'm just like, you know, this is a part of me that, you know, you should like, no, this is cool. This is what, you know, was going on in my life at this point, like years ago, whatever. And so I'll share those things. But Kelly is not an open book person. You're right. It, it just kind of comes down to like the different, different people. Well, I don't even think it's that. I just think like that was, I mean, the contract is such a important point. Like it is just such, I mean, it's literally the foundation of their friendship. But like at the same time, it's something that's so sacred so, like, I think there's other ways to get across to whoever Kelly ends up with that, like, the foundation of their relationship without showing them the contract because the contract is so sacred. Right. Good point. But, yeah, that's about all for the Shay stuff, um, unless there's anything else that I missed. No, I think you got it all. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, there's, and, and even still today there's, you know, a hole where – Shay would be because I mean if you think about the things that have happened since then it's so it's always fun to imagine you know how different it would be if Shay were still around yeah and I think they've done in terms I mean because we talk about you know sometimes the inconsistencies but them acknowledging Shay and especially even like when they don't talk about it but with the dedication on the side of the ambo the fact that it's always there and the fact that you can see the plaque always hanging on the wall like she's still there and I think that the fact that that's always been consistent is something that I really appreciate you know what wouldn't have happened if Shay were still around that episode where that crew like took Kelly's Mustang and like they almost kind of thought he was like he committed a really horrible crime or something that wouldn't have happened because Shay would have you know been with him and made sure that he didn't get so drunk that that would have happened Oh, the PD crossover from last year or yeah, twenty like twenty six, season five and season four. Yeah, that's one thing I can for sure think of that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, when they mistake him for murder. Yeah, and he spends like a week in jail. 
Yeah, I've never gone back to watch that. <laughs> I mean, I have just since the move, just as background noise. And then, of course, like background noise turns into like eight episodes later of sitting on the couch being like, I really need to do something with my life. But yep. yeah. Oh, poor Kelly. Man, I really hope they take it easy on him this season. God, I hope so. But I also really should not have just said that. Yeah, you just jinxed it. I put it out into the universe. Oh, Taylor Kenny, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're giving Derek not you're giving Derek ideas. Yeah, so let's move on before I give him more ideas. And he's just like sitting behind his desk, like maniacal laugh. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> we've got a couple of other things to talk about here. So there's a little bit of Dossie action, not a ton, teeny tiny bit. Brian, are you willing to take us through kind of like the rest of the outline? Yeah. So in terms of the Dossie stuff, like you said, there's just really one scene. Basically, in I it's like halfway through the episode and Gabby's, you know, still trying to process just as everyone is. And she knocks on Casey's office door and she basically just like blurts it out. She's like, ask me again. And Casey's like, what? Like, I mean, he knows what she's talking about, but he's like, what? Like, what? And she's like, the answer is yes. Like, it's always yes. And he's like, I know that. Like, I know that your answer is yes. Like, that's not the point of proposing. He's like, He's like, I want to do it right. Like, I promise I'm going to do it right. And then they exchange I love yous. And yeah. I mean, it's cute. Yeah. But I mean, I think the bigger, I mean, like you said, like the bigger point is never that like, it was never about, like with Dossie, it was never about the proposal. It was about like actually finally committing and, you know, getting married. Like they really could have even done without a proposal and like it just, a la Kelly, like, eloped, and everyone been like, oh, yeah, totally. Everybody except for the fans of the show, we'd be like, no, we want a fucking wedding. Like, Well, I mean, like, eloped is not like, got a wedding. Like, skip the proposal part. Yeah. Because like, for them, it was, like, they already, like, they danced around each other so much that, like, we, like, I didn't need to see them get engaged. Like, I just needed to see them, like, actually make the commitment, whether it was getting married or whatever. Like, I just needed to see them, like, actually make the commitment to each other. Only for her to walk out on the marriage. I'm not mad. Yeah. Not mad. I just, the more I think about it, the more I'm, like, quietly, like, seething about it. And it wasn't until I listened to the shipping room and um, our friends over there got caught up, you know, hi, Tamara, hi, Christine. And Tamar phrased it that way. Tamar was like, Gabby literally walked out on her marriage. And I was like, oh, my God, Tamar is dead on. And it just, it's something that, like, I think about and it just makes me. Is that what inspired your text rant the other day with um, our other friend, Ashley? Like, when you were just like, I was just thinking about this and blah, 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 blah. Like, you went on this whole rant. Like, it spawned that whole discussion with her. Okay, well. Well, okay, so Ashley, uh, this is Ashley from Telltale, one of our good friends. Um, she said, she said the word, okay? She said like the magic word. She said Linstead. Oh, yeah, that's what inspired. That's what, it is. never mind. I was wrong. I am programmed the minute I hear Linstead to be like, she ghosted him. She left him on the bridge. And so we went through that whole, you know, thing. And Ashley was like, I know, like, let it out. It's okay. And Bryna was like, not again. But <laughs> then it kind of segued into Dossie. And then I was like, the more I think about it, she walked out on him. It's just not right. Oh, 
Yeah, that was a whole, I like, I remember I like put my phone in, like you guys were texting. I literally walked like, I was at like CVS or something. So I like walked back and literally within like the five, 10 minutes, I like walked back and like, didn't look at my phone. It was just like, you have like 30 new messages. And I was just like, oh, geez. Yeah. You know, but just, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of Dossie feels in season seven. I feel like it's it, or not even Dossie feels just Dossie rage. Yeah. Not even necessarily feels just rage. Yeah. So that's the only Dossie scene. Um, and then we just have these kind of little like bullet point things that we have to bring up because they play into other storylines later on or they're just they're storylines, but not really. Um, so we have, like we mentioned, so Gabby was supposed to transition into her role as a firefighter in, I don't remember what house number it is, but um, in a different house with Welch, Lieutenant Welch, who makes appearances throughout a couple different seasons. He's always a thorn in Casey's side, and he's just kind of an asshole. And so he, there's a couple different scenes. I always want to think this is the scene where, you know, I think it's like only a couple episodes after this, the scene where they end up start racing and then it causes the crash and someone from Welch's company gets hurt and they blame it on Joe and that whole storyline. That's only like three episodes after this. I always think that happens in this episode though. So when they're at the gas station and they're like gassing up and then they get the call and they're like, we're going to race. And I'm always like, wait, this isn't the crash. And then I'm like, they get there and I'm like, okay, this isn't the crash episode. I always think about that one though. Cause I remember that like the back of my hand, but this one, I always forget that they also race in this one too. I really hope that that is an unrealistic part of, you know, firefighting that like they don't actually ra- race each other to the scene I don't know just just that they were getting gas and then like Casey was like first one of the scenes in charge and then they were like oh shit yeah (laughs) yeah but I always do I always get that mixed up with like happening in this episode but I mean it really is just setting up Welch as like an antagonist for that that moment that plot line so like there's really nothing like crazy that happens with Welch in this episode except for the fact that he like still thinks less of Gabby for the fact that she's a woman and still wants to kind of belittle her every chance he gets and Casey isn't having any of that shit so what does he say he says something like really dickish to Casey he really just it's more the way he says it he says something along the lines of like tell Gabby I said hi or something like that like it literally it's not even like it's belittling her without actually calling her names Something like that. If I remember correctly, he, like, looks at one of his guys and he's like, hey, like, so-and-so, are you sleeping with Casey so I have to be nice to you, too? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does say that. And that's when Casey, like, throws the water bottle and it's like, well, fuck you, too. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Welch is a dick. Yeah, Welch is be- Yeah, basically the summary is Welch is a dick. So that was the Welch stuff. And then there's, like, a little Mouch and Bowden storyline going on. Um, so basically, Mouch has invited Bowden and Donna to dinner with he and Platt, because he and Platt are still very new, and, um, yeah. So, but Bowden's not feeling very social, but Donna tells him it's important to re-engage and, you know, be social and whatever. Um, and so they end up, and they end up at this dinner, and, you know, Mouch is being, Mouch beforehand had been Mouch and was like, you know, I want to go, like, what is what is the phrase he uses that basically is like... So, uh, to go Dutch on the bell. That's what I was... I thought. Um, so yeah, Mouch is like, we're going to go Dutch or whatever. And so they show up at dinner. And Platt, though, Platt is like Platt. And she takes over. 
Um, and she's like, we're going to pay for everything and like order whatever you want. Donna, like she's eating for two and drinking for zero. Like, you know how I get on red wine. Like it's on us. No big deal. Typical plot. <laughs> yeah. And so at dinner, Matt tells Bowden that he got tickets for all of four of them to go see a Led Zeppelin cover band. Led Zepp again. Um, <laughs> and later on, he's Bowden's explaining. No. Later on, Match is explaining to Herman and Cruz and Otis that basically everything that he's doing, even though he's annoying the hell out of Bowden, is to go the extra mile and get Bowden out of his head. Because obviously, we never see this, but I'm sure a lot of Bowden's thoughts in those six weeks after Shay died was like, that was my fault. Probably. Probably. And that's, it's. That's one bummer is that we never really got to see what was happening inside Bowden's head. Yeah. Because I bet that's exactly how he felt. I think you're dead on. So it makes sense that Matt's just trying to get him out of his head. So basically, after shift, Bowden and Matt are talking outside and Bowden just kind of gives in and decides to like go with the flow and have fun and so Bowden asks Mouch what time to meet and then unzips his shirt or unzips his jacket to reveal to reveal a Led Zeppelin shirt um but yeah you know it's funny like so now that I'm thinking about like what was going on with Bowden and like the fact that Bowden was feel I've never thought about the, that before the fact that Bowden is probably feeling really guilty in this moment and I feel like that's what they were trying to set up here but I almost feel like they could have gone a little bit more in depth later on, but they didn't. So it's kind of it's a bummer, but I see why is because you know Bowden's kind of the backbone of the house, like you know. I was just gonna say, I guess they're trying to have Gabby represent the guilt, like that somebody in the firehouse is gonna feel like Gabby was feeling it. But I don't know. It would have been nice to see Bowden. Yeah, that's Experience it. And I'm surprised that we only just now thought of that, of like, you know, how did I've Bowden never, feel? I've never thought about it until, not even just re-watching this episode, like literally talking about it right now. Right. Never thought about it. It's an interesting discussion point. Yeah, so the last thing we just kind of bre- very, very briefly have to touch on is this is kind of starts to plant the seed for the rest of season three in terms of Mills' grandfather. So basically... There's one scene and Newhouse and Mills are talking and Newhouse got a leak. You know, Newhouse has like all these 10 bajillion side businesses. And so one of them, he was a... Um, a private investigator. No, he's not a private investigator. He was um, a bonds bail guy. And that's why he... Oh, like a bondsman? Oh. Yeah, because he starts looking up things about people because of that, I think. I don't think he was just a general private investigator. I don't think. Because hmm. remember, he's always trying to go back and get things, like, for people. I don't know if it's necessarily Bonds, like, bail, but... That's true. Oh, I did forget about that. Yeah, this is important Chicago Fire trivia. Not the point, though. Basically, Newhouse has, like, resources and knows people. So he got a lead on Mills' paternal grandfather, which unlocks, you know, the mystery of his father's side of the family that Mills had always been wondering. Um, and that, obviously, we see play on later out. And Mills eventually ends up meeting his paternal grandfather. And, yeah. But that's, like, I mean, they literally plant the seed with one scene in this episode. And that's literally it. 
Well, and it's, it's, it's interesting if we look at past exits in Chicago fire history, you know, or even Chicago PD history, we can go down the Aaron rabbit hole. What, how did you feel about Mills's exit? Were you like, oh, this is fitting? Or were you like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I thought it was bullshit. Okay. Okay. I mean, it was in the middle of the season. So I was like. No, it was at the end of the season. It, I mean, middle end though. It was like, it, there were still episodes to go. Yes, but not that many. No, it was right after Med blew up the second time. Yeah, I mean, it's like 320 out of maybe like 323 or 322 or something. I mean, it's like not that many. I just thought it was I just thought it was bullshit because I didn't really like the storyline. I thought they could have done a whole lot more with it. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of set up the fact that you know, Mills is biracial. and Like, I mean, they set that part up. But, like, the fact that his, this paternal grandfather is white and Mills's mother is not. And that's why there was a big rift in the family and, you know, whatever. But then, like, his, like it's, like, one episode and it takes the paternal grandfather to, like, come around. And I was like, but we spent all this time building up to it. And then it was just like, Ugh. And then Mills's grandfather all of a sudden is, like, giving them property and yada, yada. yada. I was just like what yeah I guess it just kind of goes back to what we've said in the past like there's really no good way to write out a character there's a better way to write out a character than this okay so Chicago (laughs) Fire Chicago PD Chicago Med for everything they're good at they are not good at writing character exits when the character is still alive there (laughs) yes but even then like I'd still say this is the, like, thinking about the other ones, like, I've, you know, think about Mouse, and, like, yes, I didn't want to see Mouse go, but, like, it kind of made sense. Like, I could see where that, like, came from, but the fact that with Mills, it was all about, especially from, like, the fact that it wasn't just Mills moving to Wilmington to take this property and open this new diner or whatever, it was, like, his sister and his mom, his mom who would literally not talk to his grandfather and like didn't get along with his grandfather for however many years and isolated Mills and his sister from that side of the family for a reason and blah, 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 blah. Like it was just like, no. Like at least with when Mouse left, it was like Mouse was searching for something and he was going back to the thing that he knew where he had once previously found himself and was hoping that it would have the same effect on him again. Like, I didn't like seeing Miles leave, but at least it made somewhat sense. You have a point. And I can't think of anyone else who's left that was alive. Oh, Roman, but, yeah, Eh, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with the way Roman left because he needed to leave. So. That was well executed. The only way it could have been better would have been if Ruzik had punched him before he left. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I don't. Has anyone on Med left alive that, like, major? I mean, I guess. Robin. Yeah. But that one kind of made sense, too. So. You just never like to see certain characters go. Roman, I was like, bye. Like, let me open the door for you. (laughs) You know. But, yeah, certain other characters, you just don't like to see them go. Yeah. And I guess when I'm thinking about it, too, now that we're thinking about, like, exits and stuff, like, Mouse, there's always room there was always kind of whenever his next tour of duty was finished, like there was not that he, I think Sam Hunt's going to come back, 
But there's always, like, it was left open enough for him to come back if that's where they decided to go with it. And even same with Robin, like, yes, Robin went to stay with her mom because, you know, she had just dealt with all this mental health stuff. But even then, like, it kind of seemed like that was her way to, like, get herself back on her feet. And if they chose to ever bring her back, like, then they could. But with Mills, it was just, like, as much as I would love for Mills to come back, like, the way they kind of wrote Mills' storyline was, like, he's about to go set off on a whole new entire life in Wilmington. Like, one that they probably will never bring him back to Chicago to explore his old life again. Same, same. And every time Samuel Hunt posts on Instagram, in my head, I'm like, what are you doing? Are you free? Can you come back? Yeah, like, Charlie Burnett's not on Valor anymore. Valor does not exist. So, yeah, I'm always like, Sam, Jay misses you. Yeah, seriously. Come back. Come back now. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just interesting. I remember, I mean, I was, when Mills left, I was like, what? Like, no, but I wasn't too busted up about it. But, you know, if they wanted to bring him back, I would be okay with it. I think I was not as busted up about it because they hadn't really given him anything throughout season three. I think if. Not saying that, like you said, if they had talked about Mills being the one that had died at the end of season two, I would have been, like, raging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. I don't know. It's just interesting because now that I think back on it, I'm like, well, wait, they planted the seed with the grandfather in two or 301. So, like, did they kind of have an idea that he was going to exit, like, the whole season long? I don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery. It's interesting to think about, though, that, like... Was this just always supposed to be a storyline and then kind of the way they finished it was once they learned Charlie wasn't going to come back to the show? Or was it, they like you said, they had always planned for Mills to exit the way he did. And it wasn't because Charlie decided to leave. It was just because that was the way they wanted the story to go. Yeah, it's a mystery. One of my least favorite things is when a character exits a show and the 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 reason for it is like the writers are like, well, we just didn't have anything left for him to do. I'm like, life does not work that way. Um, that's how they came to kill Marissa off the OC. There's like, there just wasn't anything left for her to do. I'm like, she's 18. There's so much left for her to do. Yeah, crazy. Maybe one day Peter Mills will return. Even if it was for a flashback. Not that they really do flashbacks besides this. We haven't had any flashback episodes, but still. still. Yeah, this is the only episode, I think, in Fire History that we've ever had a flashback. Aren't there more flashbacks, like, in these next couple of episodes? Or am I thinking they were all in this episode? Um, They're all in this episode because basically when Med blows up for the second time and Kelly's under, he sees Shay. But it's not like a flashback. It's like footage from throughout, like, the years. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, can we talk about one of the calls? Because one of these calls was a crazy one. Yeah. Okay, so not the first call where Welch is involved, but the second call. Okay, so this is the call with the overturned car on the fire hydrant, like, going straight through it. I don't know if that rings a bell. But basically, the husband's okay, but the wife is, like, drowning. They, like, have a car accident. She's drowning. It's bananas. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It's so crazy. And that's another one that I'm just like, my first thought, I was like, how does that happen? And then my second thought was like, Derek must have just been sitting around one day and been like, we need a fire hydrant and a car. Yeah. 
he was probably like, oh, that happened in Indonesia. I'm going to steal it and put it happen in Chicago. Like, <laughs> I can't wait until he tweets you a link of like where he got that idea from. Oh, uh, that's going to be funny. <laughs> yeah, that it was another one of those like, how does that happen moments. But yeah, the fire hydrant just going straight through the window. And then like, and then this is where like, you know, the medical show part of me kicks in. And by medical show part of me, I mean, like, I just yell at things. And so, like, the fire hydrant's going through the window or whatever. And then they, like, they overturn, they they flip the car off the hydrant with everybody still inside. I'm like, isn't that going to, like, exacerbate, like, any injuries these people have? Isn't that, like, not a good thing to do? But it's just my thoughts. I forgot about that. Yeah. Somebody who is in no way, shape, or form in the medical profession who just watches a lot of TV. <laughs> but it was a cool call. I don't know. I was just like, ooh. And then like they were, I guess like the camera angles were pretty cool too because it was like, it was like, it was like the rain, but it wasn't the rain. It was just the water from the hydrant. And like, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was a pretty cool rescue. Something I want, whenever we get the chance, if we get the chance to talk to Dr. Mike, one of the things I want to ask him is about his knowledge of like, because obviously he's a doctor, but that I would assume, I don't know his medical background, but I would assume would be more in like a hospital setting. But I'm curious what he thinks of like paramedic calls and like the way they deal with that, not just on fire, but like the way they would deal with it on like 911 or what is the name of that show, right? Yes. The one with okay, 911. Like the way they deal with that and like what he would think about the way like paramedics, like the way paramedics are depicted on television and like the medicine behind that part of it yeah that's a really good question for him and I really like his insight like if you if listeners if you don't know what we're talking about I mean we'll post the link but um Dr. Mike he's a doctor in New York he has a YouTube channel he started doing this series where he reacts to medical shows basically I mean he's an actual doctor so he just kind of reacts and is like well that's real that's not real that's ridiculous he did an episode of Chicago Med and that's kind of how he got introduced to the fandom uh, and they're really good, though. Like, if, you know, if there's any other medical show that you've seen, he does the pilot episode of House, uh, Code Black, The Resident, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, he did uh, He did The Night Shift. Scrubs. Yes, he did Scrubs. Yeah, lots of medical shows. And so, he's yeah, he seems really cool. So, fingers crossed we can get him on the show. We're trying. I think that is about it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's it. So... Yeah, 301 is just, it's a doozy. 301s of both shows have been a doozy. Med had like a relatively tame 301, so that's good. I like though that there's parallels between Fire's 301 and PD's 301. Like I wouldn't have necessarily thought about it that way. Like the fact that someone died at the end of season two, like it affected a main character. That main character spirals a little bit. Like there's just so many parallels to it that I don't honestly think I put together before recording this. Parallels are always fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So as always, listeners, you know where to find us. We are all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. You can always email us. It's meetusatmollys at gmail.com. If you're Dr. Mike, you can definitely email us at meetusatmollys at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have a website. It's meetusatmollys.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, and if you've made it to the end of the episode, we 
you know, we would like to think that you do and didn't just like hate listen. But if you like the show, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we will be back with a new episode next week. I think we, we're tentatively looking at another fire episode. But yeah, we will be back next week. And yeah, in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you then. Bye.